I I never really learned to read music very well uh, in grade school. With mm-hmm. I would listen to the other players because I heard I just couldn't I wasn't very good, and I would hear other trumpet players play, and I thought, oh, I really like how that sounds. Mm-hmm. And so I started emulating them. The inspiration. Oh, there's always a girl. <laughs> I'll never let you go again. That was the name of it. Oh. It's a whole. Okay, let's let's be transparent. That's the reason I got into music. <laughs> When, so you're just you're like everyone ugly, else, good to know. <laughs> when, you're the, when you're the ugly kid in school and you see that Steven Tyler and, and Mick Jagger have pretty girlfriends, you're like, well, I got the ugly part. Let's, um, <laughs> let's see if we can be a musician too. Welcome to Songwriter Trysts. This is an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee, and today we launch into 2023 with this year's Grammy-nominated classical act of the year, the incredible Kit Wakely. Music saved my life, and through these conversations, I'm discovering that I'm not alone. I love talking with other artists about the power of songwriting and their journey to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons, and emotions all the great things that build an amazing song. Please support the podcast by subscribing or you can buy me a coffee through the website songwritertrists.com. All right, welcome to a Songwriter Trists, very first one for 2023. And I'm very excited to have Kit Wakely. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And, and where are you talking to from today? Because I know you've been all over the place recently. Yes, I have. I'm actually <laughs> at home for a couple of weeks uh, here in uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, here in the, the mid, mid uh, US here in the United States. Oh, lovely. And I think I saw on socials that you've just come back from London. Is that right? I've been in London, LA, New York, Houston, Austin, Nashville, back in London, and now I'm back home for a few weeks. Okay, so so you're happy to just sit still for a second? <laughs> yes. And go from there. All right, well, I like to start all of these podcasts simply by getting you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Sure. Um, obviously, uh, my name is Kit Wakely. Um, I'm from here in uh, the United States here in Oklahoma City. I'm a musician of all sorts. I'm also a producer. So my day job is producing everything from electronic to pop to, you know, rock or whatever. And then my personal projects, I do orchestral rock or orchestra music uh, where I play with symphonies and uh, orchestras and things of that nature. And we bring a lot of well-known rock musicians uh, from around the world to join in. And so that's... Uh, that's what I like to do. And then of my shows, we like to add a lot of lights and effects and eye candy as much as possible so that the uh, audience doesn't get too bored. I love it. I saw the video that is on your link for Sinners and Saints and the lights and the costumes and the whole thing was just, it's like how I was feeling, just like manifested in a visual and audio format. It was absolutely incredible. What sort of inspired you to go down that mixing of those genres together and and create what you've created as far as that's concerned 
you know, I always, I always liked rock music as a, you know, as a kid playing in cover bands and things. And then uh, as my career, you know, developed and doing licensing and being, you know, requested to do certain styles of music, orchestral music started to blend in quite a bit. Um, got into doing video game music and, and some cues and things like that for film and television. And then one day it just kind of clicked. And then when I recorded it the first time with um, a major orchestra, uh, with rock music, I was hooked ever since. So that's just kind of my my lane that I like to choose. I love that. So why music? Tell me, like, how did you? Where did music even start for you? Is it from a very it, young age? Yeah, it came. It came from a young age. You know, obviously, a lot of kids start out in grade school, the music program, and that's how I started out playing trumpet. trumpet. You know, I just did it to have something to do, and uh, it proved to be therapeutic and uh, kept me out of trouble. And um, I found success. So that just kind of fostered more, you know, to want to do more. Yeah. So tr- I, mean, I love trumpet. I have a few friends who are incredible at trumpet. How did that go from grade school? Because that's an interesting first instrument to learn on. Did you do a lot of theory? Like how did that evolve into production and everything you're doing now? It's probably not where you wanted to go with it. But I actually, I, I never really learned to read music very well. Uh, in grade school with mm-hmm. I would listen to the other players because I heard I just couldn't I wasn't very good and I would hear other trumpet players play and I thought oh I really like how that sounds mm-hmm. and so I started emulating them and over time by the time I you know several years later I just if you put music in front of me I could not play it I was always playing by ear okay and uh, in fact I, I went to scholar I went to college on music scholarship, but I lost it when they found out I couldn't read music. So we had to start all over. Oh, no. So can you, have you worked it out now? Are you reading? I understand music very well. I don't always talk the same lingo. So if I'm speaking with the London Symphony or Royal Philharmonic or something like that, I've learned uh, a lot about the lingo, but I still keep things common sense and oddly enough the orchestral players know exactly what i'm talking about but if you see my scores and you see my arrangements yeah. it very much falls in line with theory and i'm told it has the same musical iq as as any any other composer i love that because i'm personally dyslexic and i am the same so i learned piano at a young age and the theory as much as i did cram it into my brain and i know the the stuff behind it i play by ear i don't read music anymore I much prefer to write my own music and when you're writing your own music you don't need to necessarily know how to read music if you put my own music in front of me the piano I I wouldn't be able to play it now again (laughs) I play concert all the time and and we're we're good but I I would always hesitate in telling people that because when people see my scores and things of that nature Either the A, they don't believe I don't know how to read music, or B, they're like, well, then you didn't write this. Yeah. Um, it's a fine line. But uh, again, I understand music very, very well at this point. I just can't equate it from the sheet of paper to me playing a guitar or or keyboard yeah. or anything. I, um, that makes me feel good <laughs> because I, I'm a, I agree. I don't think it, it is. I think there's just different types of people and everyone has different talents and you don't have to be able to do everything. And reading music is a skill, yeah. but um, you can still be a good musician without having to have that skill. I'm interested because a lot of people that I talk to, there, there's a, a journey we all have to go through as musician or any creative person when you come out of a family, when you have that discussion with a caretaker or a parent, 
where you go, I want to do music or be an artist as, as a career. And it doesn't often go down too well in the home environment as a teenager. <laughs> um, what was that experience like for you? How, how did you approach that? Did you have a supportive home? Yeah, my parents were very supportive of music. They weren't real keen on me taking time off to, to tour with other bands or, you know, playing the proms and the clubs and the dances and different things. Gigs. Yeah. Um, they were supportive. I, we met halfway. I mean, I played while I was in college and I wasn't ready to grow up. So I went to grad school. I continued okay. to play. And then, uh, you know, I'm blessed. They, they saw that I had a dream and they let, let me try as much as I could until I had to take a real day job there for a while. Yeah, what was the day job that they wanted you to try? I had a lot of day jobs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Different things with all those little, uh, you know, lapel pins of mm. names that he would carry. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of it was just restaurant service, but I been, ended up working in nursing homes. And actually, I I did very well in the nursing home business, actually yeah. getting promotion after promotion. But it was a company that let me hey, I'm sorry, I got to go on the road for three weeks or I'm going to be gone for two nights or whatever. And um, there were a lot of blessings along the way that let me do both. I love that. That's that's really cool. And I think that people in the arts do have a big heart and to work in a nursing home. My mum's an aged care nurse for over 50 years and you have to have a, an abnormally caring heart and personality to, to work in that industry. Um, so well done. <laughs> Tell me about um, your collaboration and your songwriting process. When did you start writing songs? Oh my gosh, I started writing songs probably when I was six, seven years old. Um, I just didn't know if that's what I was doing yet. But um, I started writing music in co- in high school and college and started recording. In fact, I think when I was 17, I recorded my first real song and mm-hmm. somehow it ended up on, you know, all the local radio um, so that that bug bit me. But now, um, you know, it's just kept it kept evolving from writing with a group of people to now I kind of do it all myself. And okay. then uh, it, it's worked. I do. I do work with a lot of other musicians who come in and give their take and flavor. Though. So when you were 17, what was that? Was that a school project? Was there a girlfriend? Like, what was the inspiration? Oh, there's always a girl. <laughs> I'll never let you go again. That was the name of it. It's a whole, okay, let's let's be transparent. That's the reason I got into music. When, so you're when just you're like everyone else, ugly, good to know. <laughs> when, you're the, when you're the ugly kid in school and you see that Steven Tyler and, and Mick Jagger have pretty girlfriends, you're like, well, I got the ugly part. Let's, um, let's see if we can be a musician too. So I, don't it think, I think you're being harsh on yourself. I, I gave no. my, my 10-year-old son a electric guitar for Christmas because he's been learning. I thought it was time you had your own guitar. And I, I did give my, it to him. I just got my nine-year-old yeah. uh, guitar. No way. So, right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, t- I gave him a warning, though. I did say that this is going to um, make the, the girls go a little bit crazy. <laughs> and it's, it's I, as being on the other side of that, it, um, it's true. Unfortunately, it, it does something to us girls um, when someone gets up and can play a, a good anything. But, yeah, actually, I have a song about it, which I, I haven't recorded yet, but it is. It's just about the, the raw truth of guys with their guitars. Yes. Mm. How do you fight them off? Um, I don't. I don't have that problem. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Re- I haven't reached Stephen Tyler or Mick Jagger status. Oh, no, I have a beautiful <laughs> sure. wife. I have an absolutely gorgeous wife, and I'm blessed. Oh, good. 
I'm glad. All right, so tell me about the collaboration because you said you worked with people for a while, um, songwriting and collaborating. What what were your uh, lessons around that? You know, I had to give up a little bit of freedom. So, like, when I work with someone like Joe Satriani, I play the scale and I say, you know, this is the mode, and I will introduce the melody that I'd like, you know, him to play or Steve Vai or anyone like that. Uh, and we just we go back and forth and there's times I've just learned, you know what, that's, that's Joe's signature. That's his color. Leave it alone. It may not be what you wanted to do, but it adds another dimension to the music. So I've, I've gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I might work with someone like Orianti. If you don't know who Ori is, she's from Australia. She was Michael Mm -hmm. Jackson's guitarist. And now she's, you know, she's Ori. And uh, when I work with her, she's great because she's like, look, this is your session. You tell me what you want me to do. So we just go back and forth. We just pull out, you know, what really sounds good. And we let Ori be her. So it's, it's, there's a myriad of ways that I go about it with different guitars. But the biggest thing is to get their personality in my music because it does no good to just play exactly what I've already written. That, that doesn't bring any additional value or depth to the music. So how does it start for you? Are you very instrumental melody focused and then I'm very much an instrumentalist first. Um, I like a great heavy beat. I like melodies. I like big lush sounds. You know, I yeah. If if you can get the listener's attention with the instrumental part, you hope that someone has the talent to write a really good lyric or melody on top. And that's the beauty about instrumentals is sometimes you get to dictate that melody as well because I'm not very good at lyrics. But I do like working with a lot of artists and their lyrics on other projects. That's the magic when you can get that good combination of a good lyricist and a good melody. That's everyone's dream magic as a songwriter. You said that you're you're going back to doing a lot more on your own. Is that just um, the freedom that you have to do that now or has there been a... Something that's changed. You know, I, th- I think there'll always be a balance of me producing other artists. Like I said, whether it's rock or electronic, I've even done uh, country. It's not something I ever thought I would be doing, but yeah. somehow I've had a little luck. <laughs> and I've done, I've been doing country music as well. But I really, cool. with the success of my past few albums and now with this Grammy, Grammy uh, nomination, I'm getting a lot more. Uh, I'm starting to have a lot more responsibilities for my own projects. And those are starting to crowd my, my bandwidth of what I can and can't do. And, you know, when you start touring and, and promoting your own stuff and, and everything from media to just PR, all of a sudden you realize you haven't produced someone's, someone else's project in several weeks or a couple of months. So that's, I hope that I communicated that appropriately that, it seems to be more me lately than my my past. Well, everyone has a limited amount of time. We all have the same amount of time and you've got to choose how you spend that. And I'm actually, I, I like seeing people be able to go with their passion and create something that they believe in and, and, and love. And it seems like, it looks like from where I'm sitting, that's what you're doing. And that excites yes. me to see you in your passion and yeah. see you doing something exciting. Are you doing, you've got record label support um, with, with your releases and things like that, or is it something you've been doing on your own? No, I do it on my own. We've had the opportunity for labels a couple of times and it comes down to dollars and cents. I have to work a lot harder because I don't have the label behind me, but I get the profits. I don't have to wait for 
them to make their money back. And, you know, I, I can dictate my own budget for my shows. I can dictate so much more, you know, you know, if one of the bigger names on their label is releasing a project, they're probably not going to be focused on me as much. Um, I even deal with that with our PR company. I love them. Um, they're very good friends of mine, but they're very honest. Hey, look, so-and-so has got a project coming out. We're going to have to take time out for two or three weeks. Yeah. So until you hit that stature, a label numbers wise has not made sense yet. I appreciate that. Yeah. Everyone's got to sit. It's it's changing, isn't it? The whole atmosphere of record labels and their value in the industry as the industry evolves. As artists, we have to kind of make sure that we're staying on top of, like you said, the dollars and the cents, um, yeah. which is at the moment, you know, with Spotify streaming sort of stuff, cents is what we're counting. So. Yeah, 0.0416 cents per stream. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, that's why we all have big houses and Lamborghinis, isn't it? Um <laughs> So now you're working a lot on your own and I think that's that's awesome. Could you tell me from, I mean, because you've been doing this a long time and you've done lots of different, you've worn lots of different hats as far as what you've been doing. What have been some of the biggest lessons that you wish you maybe had have learned earlier or you've just learned from years of experience in the industry? If it's professionalism and working in the industry, I think the two biggest lessons are from the perspective of that is be nice. In other words, don't be a jerk and be on time. You can be an average to good musician and be nice and be on time. And you'll get a whole lot more work than the guy that's really talented and never on time. He's a jerk, etc. And then as far as individually, as far as making music and as a creator, just do what you do best. And you don't have to have you don't have to ask for permission for what you like to do. And you no, know, there's times that I've actually put my hands in the hand, you know, I put myself in the hands of other producers and sometimes they want to change it completely. And I'm like, no, we're going to stay with what I do. I don't want to lose my identity. So stay creative with what you do and you love. And, you know, if you'll be nice, be on time, someone's probably going to listen. I love that. So professionalism and common courtesy as a human being um, is always going to be more important than your ego. Yes. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to fully agree with that. Um, and so, yeah, now that you've done so much with your music, I want to ask you just a little bit more about when you're writing a song, is there an emotive or, or a story or, or a thing that you're trying to leave in the world that you want people to pick up on when they hear your music? You know, it runs the gamut. There's sometimes you just sit down and go, oh, that sounds really cool. And you work with the beat and you get a really cool, you know, guitar groove and and it's fun. And then there's times you sit down and the emotion pours out. And that's actually what happened with this most recent album is I tell people, they ask me, what's the difference between this album and others? And this one had purpose and, and, and vision. So it's all about my life story different components of my life and so the music that came out was directly inspired by that so you know there's two ways what sounds really good and then sometimes your emotions just left there on the the page and it, sometimes it works out i think i like to go with the emotion side of things what is it about your story that you feel by sharing it is like what what's the key element of your story that you want people to get out of you know, my particular, you know, 
no matter what the story is for someone, I think it needs to be authentic and genuine, you know, but for me, mine was just, it was that journey of, of going from foster home to foster home to finally being adopted. And then before that, I lost my sister uh, because I separated us. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you think about how we were reunited, we'd been we've been separated for 30 years and come to find out she thinks I'm either dead or somewhere else. And I'm thinking the same thing. And we've been living with a mile of one another for years. Um, and so when you tell that part of the story, being separated, and then you have a chance within a few months of that to adopt three kids because they don't want those three kids being adopted. You jump on that chance. And so there's so many emotions and so many stories to tell that it, it um, it became obvious that this is a story to tell through music. It's such an incredible story and clearly so much pain that we're kind of glossing over that you've had to overcome to be able to have the type of grace and compassion to take on three children. That's incredible. Do you They're catting around here somewhere. They're waiting for dad to be done. <laughs> I, I have three. I know. And it's school holidays as well. It's that time of year. I know um, mine are also waiting to go to the park. So um, I think they're probably similar ages. But I, I, I want to ask you because for me that's the really big part of being human is when we suffer and we, we do experience pain. For me, music saved my life because it was a way of expressing that pain before I could put it into words. And I feel like you can relate to that with what you went through, especially as being a child when you don't have the vocabulary to understand what you're feeling. How do you put it into words now? Or do you don't? How do I put it in words now? I think that, you know, I was such an awkward child trying to adjust, you know, from foster home to foster home and, and what I experienced in, you know, before that with my biological parents that, you know, I was pretty much an outcast, but music kind of gave me a, an opportunity I didn't know at the time, but to express myself and became therapeutic. And that's how I, that's how I got my identity. And all of a sudden I found popularity in school and friends and so on and so forth. And I think through that, it gave me, I guess I would say critical thinking skills to be able to interact and mm -hmm. uh, gave me confidence. I think that's the other thing is confidence. And when you have confidence and you have all this, you know, ability to express your emotions through 12 notes, as I say, um, all of a sudden that can gravitate towards, you know, how you articulate yourself and how you carry yourself. And so it, it was a, it was a stone by stone by stone thing, but it really did start with music and, and how I express myself there and how I'm able to carry on dialogue now. Mm. And if you were to look back and know what you know now and, and what you went through, if you didn't have music, like what do you, how, how different do you think your life would be? Where do you think you would be? You know, I often wonder, I think it would be significantly different. I don't, I know this, I would not be where I'm at now by any stretch. There's just so many layers on that topic about self-confidence and success and success begetting success begetting success that I, I don't, I don't know anything else. Um, so I'm not really sure where. Well, I'm uh, really grateful that you have music. Like thank my, you, my world. My world has been better since coming across your music. So thank you. I like I honestly it's it's music that I feel like I've always felt inside of me but I haven't had the talent all the time to <laughs> create. So when I've seen it manifested it's like thank you 
um, so much for for doing that and putting in what would have been such an incredible amount of time and effort um, and and emotion. I, I feel the emotion in it, and I do think that that is the thing that we all want, but it is the hardest thing to be that vulnerable in your music. Um, That is what being an artist is. It's so incredible. I want to ask you um, just two more questions. So one is what is um, the best piece of advice that you could give to, to other artists or songwriters out there who are either just getting started or also inspired by what you do? I wish I had that advice. It seems like it's, it seems like the response can always be so cliche, but, you know, establish your vision, obviously listen to wisdom around you, but don't listen to the naysayers and stick to your vision, stick to what you love and know that it's not going to happen overnight. It's just not. But you'll look back one day and go, wow, look how far I came. Um, that would probably be the number one you know, there's so many other questions that surround that point, but that would be where I'd start. That's really good. And my last inv- uh, question is more around your inspirations. So if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, uh, producer-wise, I would love to produce with uh, Quincy Jones. I would love to hear what he would come in and just do. Artist-wise, would have to be probably Paul McCartney. Um, I'm a fan of a lot of different music, but I know a lot of what goes into his mindset. Uh And I would love to experience that with, I'd I'd love to see what he would weave with the characteristics of my music. Yeah. I would love to hear that. That'd be incredible. And would you say that they've been influential in what you're doing? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, think about Paul McCartney. He knows how to be a lyricist and write instrumental and have something extremely uh, uh you know i ear candy if you will as far as yeah. the melody i mean he's got he's, he's mastered all three and that's rare well he's also one of those people like you said it takes time who's just stuck with it for such a long time you can't not i think become a master of your craft in all those areas if you continue to work at it like regularly um, over such a period of time, that's just the beauty that it is. But to stick with something, like you said, and to look past the naysayers, that is half the job sometimes when you're yeah. out there presenting your your heart and soul to the world. You have to kind of have a tennis racket and be batting off all of the negativity. Um, you got you got to pick it up. It's odd that this, this particular album, it, it it got a lot of harsh criticism at first, and now it's nominated for a Grammy. And I'm like, well, who's right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll uh, you know, you just got to man up and take it. I guess that goes to um, to prove that there's no such thing as bad publicity. I guess just no, no, positive or negative. No. People are talking about you. That's your job done. If people are talking about you, you've done a good job. Um, yeah. I wish you all the best with the Grammy. We are fingers crossed for you. I think it's in the bag. I'll have enough faith for you. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely thrilled to have this chat. Thank you so much for giving me your time. I know that you've got three beautiful children to go and fill with love over the next few weeks that you're around. And um, hopefully one day we get to cross paths and, and do some music together. That'd be great. Absolutely. You're, you're so gracious. I appreciate you make this process very easy. I look forward to sharing it with everyone. It's, um, yeah, such a good chat and I'm sure that they're going to fall in love with it as much as me to the point that you're going to have to do an Australian tour. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. No problem. 
Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guests, please go to the website songwritertrists.com. Lost in the crowd, no one.